powered by Riverside. On today's episode, I talked to Andy Abel, president of Glutred, as well as the co-owner of Highproof Razor and founder of Class for Labs. Andy has a very interesting journey from choosing to live out of his truck traveling around Alaska in the mountains within the U.S., doing a solo trip in Europe, and navigating a successful entrepreneurship career. Andy's story is a must-listen and truly showcases that you can pursue so many different opportunities if you're willing to take the risk. Without further delay, here's my conversation with Andy. Andy, thank you for taking the time to come on the Road to the Top podcast. We're really excited for our conversation. Yeah, well, I appreciate you taking the time. And as we stated in the intro, Andy, so you founded multiple companies at this point. I was curious if entrepreneurship was something you've always been interested in at a young age or if it was initially something different that you wanted to do. Yeah, totally. I, I think I always kind of wanted to start my own thing. I, I saw... Um, my dad kind of go from a position where he was working like a nine to five job and then ended up starting his own company. And I saw like kind of how that changed the course of his life and our life as a family. And, um, yeah, so after, I guess, watching all that happen, I knew it was something I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to focus on. So did you have early ventures, like even when you're like teenager or high school or college that, you know, came before all, all this stuff you're doing now? Oh, Totally. Yeah, so I grew up I grew up in a small town in Ohio, so I was like the classic like mowing lawns during the summer. I had in high school I had a four-wheeler with a plow on it and I was like back when Ohio got snow, I was like plowing driveways and stuff like that. Um yeah, some other funny little things too. When I was little I'd like polish polish people's shoes. Um like take their shoes home and polish them and all that when I was like super little. I'm surprised anyone let me you know, handle their nice shoes. But uh, yeah, I mean, I always kind of wanted to, you know, enjoyed that and like figuring out how to do it. And um, yeah, so totally something I've been <laughs> got interested. That's in awesome. Time, so. what, yeah. did, what did your dad um, do to start his entrepreneurial journey? Yeah, so he's got, he's like, you know, it's an interesting story. He has an engineering background. He worked in um, factory automation for a long time uh, for about, I think it was like 17 years. And he worked a lot in like the steel mills in Ohio. And then a lot of that work, um, kind of went overseas and that industry was really taking a hit. Um, so then he kind of half quit, half got fired and went and started his own. He actually started selling health insurance, like total flop, um, of, of careers to two, two totally different things, sold health insurance for, uh, for a larger firm for a while. And he's like, I could do this on my own. Um, and then started his own brokerage, um, with actually another one of his engineering partners. And they grew that to, like 20 plus employees um, over the course of, I think it was like 15 years or so. And then, uh, yeah, he recently kind of sold to his business partner and now he's retired. And then he and I started doing Blue Tread together. So can't wait to, to talk about all the different stuff that you guys are working together. But um, I know that, you know, we we're both Miami alumni and we got connected through Kano O'Hearn, who was a, a prior podcast guest. We'd love to hear, you know, kind of background for the audience on your professional journey post college graduation to where you are yeah, now. Totally. totally. So I actually, I was roommates with Connor and I were in the same freshman dorm and then we roomed together our sophomore year, um, with a, a couple other good friends of ours. And, um, so yeah, I've known Connor for a long time. Uh, he's a great guy after 
so after college, I um, went and traveled around for a while. I actually bought a one-way ticket up to Alaska, um, bought a, a Toyota Tacoma, and just lived out of the back of it for a while, um, just like kicking around Alaska, doing a lot of backpacking and fishing, and just kind of do as much as I can over there. I then took that truck, sold it, made a little bit of money on the sale, and then bought a ticket to Europe. Um, and then I went to Europe solo for a couple months. Um, and then I was, and then I had run out of money at that point and needed to come back to the U S. So, um, came back here and actually started working for a product development company in Salt Lake city. Um, so we took a, a product kind of from concept to shelf, um, and went into Lowe's and Michael's stores, uh, across the country. Um, products called you hang it. It helps you hang things on the wall, figure out where to put the hardware. Um, so did that for a while. And then, um, that was what, up until 2018. Then in 2018, I, um, kind of went off on my own. I took another little jaunt of freedom, lived out of a different Toyota Tacoma and, um, and did a lot of like rock climbing, um, in Southern Utah, across Utah, actually across the West, um, did some through hiking in the Sierras and some other stuff like that. Um, then decided my dad and I kind of had this idea to, start, start glue tread, which started something very different than what it is now. Um, glue tread now fixes the sidewall of any off-road tubeless tire, which is something that there hasn't been an option for in the past, but it actually started as adding tread to agricultural tires and ATVs as well, but it worked better for ag tires. Um, so imagine just taking like a long piece of rubber and gluing it on a tire, like when the tire goes bald to give it more tread. So it started there. Um, that product actually went into tractor supply. Um, and then that was right when that went in and like, like the beginning of 2020, right. When COVID was hitting. Um, so, um, <laughs> that didn't go, I mean, obviously all the stores shut down. So that caused all sorts of problems. Um, and then we decided, figured out, we need to make a shift, figured out how to patch the sidewall of the tire. Um, and then that's the sidewall repair stuff for glue tread came out in March of 2020. Um, yeah, during that whole thing, that's another fun part of the story. You re you'll recognize a theme here. I often live in my vehicle or at least did in my early twenties. So when I was starting that, I was working, moved back to Ohio. I was working in, uh, kind of like a rubber factory, I guess, in Ohio doing like administrative work there. Um, great company, but like not what I wanted to do. Um, I, I really miss being out West. I really enjoy, you know, a lot of the stuff that is offered out here with public land and stuff like that. So, um, I moved back into my truck for the third time and, um, had a, I had a bunch of debt that I had racked up and that's a different long story from starting the business and other stuff. So I got all that paid off, moved everything back into my truck, drove out here and then started guiding. Um, so I'm actually in Bozeman, Montana now, um, moved here initially, like I said, living in my truck guiding so that I could take like one or two weeks working and then one or two weeks off to focus on glue tread. Um, so I was doing backpacking in Yellowstone, um, during the summer. And then in the fall, I was guiding elk hunting trips in Northeast Nevada through that eventually got glue tread up to where it was generating some revenue and I was able to pay myself and do that full time. Um, so yeah. And then I guess what about a year ago now, a good friend of mine that I met here in Bozeman, met up with him and he had designed a shaving razor, um, with a lot of just a really sweet design. He's an awesome designer, really impressive guy. And 
he has another business in the power sports space as well. So he and I always talked about like how to work on our businesses together. He brought this one time. We're like, all right, let's see if we can make this into a business. So now um, High Proof Razors, oh, another business now that he and I are running together. Um, and that launched in October of this year uh, has been going pretty well. So, yeah, I guess that's the, the short version of the whole thing. So, I mean, it's an incredible journey. I think for the audience, though, it shows that, you know, you can make a lot of different career moves and it's exciting to kind of talk through yours. So um, when you were doing those solo trips, whether it's Alaska or Europe, um, sure. I think that that takes a tremendous amount of courage. You know, one is just do it by yourself. Is there anything that you were um, searching for in that or is just something that, you know, you wanted to do at some point in your life? Yeah, great question. I mean, I I think, you know, I want I, I wanted to travel and see some other stuff. Um, I, you know, grew up in Ohio and then went to school in Ohio. And um, I was fortunate to do some traveling with my family growing up, but there's a lot of stuff that I still wanted to see. And, you know, Alaska was like, you know, kind of this like holy grail of public land and free space and challenge. I think, I think I didn't realize at the time, but I wanted to like prove myself to myself and like my capability of, you know, my capability in the outdoors. And then also just like my, um, yeah, I don't know. Just like wanting to see like what I could do on my own. I don't know. I was definitely, I didn't, I don't think, fully realized that at the time, but I think oh, that's all what a lot of it came down to. Um, yeah. And then Europe was like just the polar opposite, right? I go from, you know, doing these solo trips in Alaska to like going into like this incredibly densely populated, you know, I flew into London the first time it was, you know, where I landed in, um, in Europe. So, um, and it was totally different. I mean, it was challenging in very different ways. Um, There's some interesting, you know, I, one of the most interesting things I found is that I, I want, went to Alaska to try to get away and like, just try to like disappear and have some time on my own. And it was interesting that I found, I felt more like secluded um, in Europe than I did in Alaska because there's so many people that you could just totally disappear into these cities and like traveling alone, like didn't know anyone, didn't know the language. And you're just like, it's crazy how fast you can just disappear in those big cities. Really interesting. Um, so, but yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I, again, I was like, just kind of trying to prove myself to myself, but didn't really realize that at the time, I guess. I mean, you spent a lot of time in your truck, which is, I think, such an interesting perspective. Was there a time that you found like the most um, amazing or like, I don't know, fulfilling yeah. in that experience? And was there a hard point that you're just like, I don't know if I could do this? Yeah. Yeah. Like every day I'm like, I don't know why I'm doing this. You know, it's like <laughs> the, there's definitely parts, you know, it's like, especially now I feel like you're on online or on Instagram and there's like this whole like van life, like picture of you, like open the door to your, your van or your truck. And there's this beautiful mountainscape. And it's just like, you know, you're drinking coffee and it's like all this beautiful thing. And it's like, and I, and there's definitely times like that where it's great, but then you also don't realize like, yeah, there's like cops knocking on your window and you're parked in a Walmart parking lot because you have salmon in your truck and you can't park, you know, out in the middle of nowhere because there's grizzly bears. So it's like, um, you know, and I think it's deceiving. I think the first, in the beginning, like when I did in Alaska, it was like kind of, it was the only way that I could pull it off. I think I wanted to see the whole country and I didn't have a ton of money. So like, I couldn't like do like Airbnbs and stuff the whole time. So a lot of it was out of necessity. I pride myself on being pretty low maintenance. Right. So it's just like, especially at that point, I was like, it doesn't matter. I have a place that it's a six foot bed I can lay down. in. so, yeah, I mean, but it also came along with a lot of stress, like, and I think that's something that we'll touch on at some point throughout this, but like, like living that way can cause a lot of stress, which can have like, like 
cause physical problems in your body too. And I think there's a lot of, um, people don't talk about, I feel like especially males don't talk about like how stress in your life affects your everyday life and stuff like that. So I think it's cool. I mean, yeah, there's the Instagram part where you're like looking at a mountainscape out of the back of your truck, but it's also stressful because you don't have anywhere to go to the bathroom. Like where are you going to get water? And there's no way to charge your phone. And it's like, you don't have cell phone service and your car breaks down or like I just did a trip with some buddies and I was living out of my truck and like did this like river crossing in my truck and then left my truck for a week. And it was like, you know, below zero. And then my truck just like wouldn't start. And I had my buddy had to tow me out and it was like this whole thing. And like everything I owned was in the truck, but the truck's broken down and then it's in a four you know, dealership and they can't, <laughs> they can't find it. I call them. They're like, we lost your truck. I was like, that's literally everything I have, you know, like everything I own is in that truck. I'm yeah. So it's like, so there's a lot of stress that comes with that, you know, but I think, you know, being able to like work through that has, um, has enabled me to, you know, kind of go all in on these things. I didn't really have like, you know, I just kind of the guiding thing, but I didn't have a backup plan or a, or a side gig that was like full time. It was like, I was doing this. I was like pursuing this full time because I was yeah. spending no money on my living situation. I feel, I feel like we could do an entire podcast episode just on your experience, you know, doing that. <laughs> um, uh, so you touched on earlier with Blue Tread and, you know, working with your dad on, on that business. And I know just from research that you've gone through the patent process with that mm -hmm. business. Uh, is there anything or advice that you you think you could share in terms of like someone who is at the beginning of that process, like something you wish you would have known at the very beginning? Yeah, I think I think the first thing is like don't be intimidated by it, um, and then also like don't get pushed around by patent attorneys. There there are some really great patent attorneys out there, but I think for every one great patent attorney, there's ten that are just like just after your money, right? I met with so many and frankly got kind of screwed over by a couple, right? Like, cause I was just a novice going into it and didn't realize and I was paying them to do stuff that I could do myself and didn't realize that at the time. So, um, yeah, I remember in the beginning when my dad was first coming up, when we, when we were first talking about how we wanted to start the adding tread to tires, I'm like, I don't even know where to start. Like, is this already patented? Is someone working on this, whatever. So, you know, we like called around for help, couldn't get a good answer on help. I'm like, this, there has to be a public way to do this. And you can just go to the USPTO office or even Google patents and just start doing Google, like searches on your own and read through it. Like if you can read, you can do it. You know, it's like, it's, yeah, it's going to take you more time than it would take someone who's been doing it their whole life. But when you're bootstrapping a business, you know, you, that's, that's what you're doing, right? You, you have to, you don't have to be good at anything, but you have to be pretty decent at a lot of things. And I think, yeah, you can do your own patent research and even the provisional patent. Like I wrote the provisional patent for Blue Tread on my own. And, um, you know, we, once you get into the point, once you're, so you do your patent research, make sure it's not patented. And then you're going to go through and write your provisional patent, or at least this is the way I did it. Um, write your provisional patent. And then, and then, um, and then after that, you like decide whether you're going to pursue the design patent or utility patent, which generally speaking, pursue utility patent if you can. Once you get into that process, then it becomes really technical. And I was on, at that point we had an attorney and I was on some of the calls with the patent office and the attorney. And they have like their whole, this whole language that they've made up around, <laughs> you know, around this. I swear it's just to make it like a more exclusive thing. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think in the beginning, at least through the provisional patent stage, like, and you get, you get at least a year and you can file extensions after that. So it's like, and you can do a lot in a year as far as finding the right person to work with and then, you know, 
getting help is needed. So yeah, I don't know. Do do the beginning part on your own and save yourself like thousands of dollars for sure. Yeah, that's great advice. And for those in the audience who aren't familiar with it, so like a provisional patent, as Andy described, it's it's basically like a placeholder uh, where you have a, a, I think it's a year that you can mark your spot in line for your idea or design. And then within a year from that point, you could file like the formal documents, but it's common within like the startup community because it gives you the ability to go out and market your product to get product market fit, but not go through the whole patent process. Um, so it's really great advice. And I know cool. that um, obviously you work with your dad. How do you navigate having a successful business and family relationship? Yeah. That's a great question. I think, you know, I, I feel like many father son teams have like a thing they do, right? They go, they fish together, they work on cars or they like baseball or whatever. And my dad and I did some of all that and still do, but like, we always enjoyed working together. It was like kind of, you know, we talked about it even when I was in high school about how like, we'd be fun to run a business together, you know? So, you know, at this point, my dad's not as involved now um, as in the day to day, as far as like, he's not shipping orders and packing up stuff and, you know, things like that. But you know, he's, he's, <laughs> he's like, I, I give him tons of credit because he's like a sounding board all the time. He's like, he's in advisor advisory role for glue tread. And he's like, we just had a trade show. He's there for that and everything. He loves it. But like, I can call him anytime. And he literally, anytime he picks up the phone, it's, we always joke about it. It's hilarious, but that is just invaluable to have that kind of support. And just like, I know I have like good advice on tap anytime I need it. So we, you know, I'm also very fortunate just to have a family that's very supportive. My sister's also involved. She does, she has a marketing firm, Alpine Start Media. She's based out of Flagstaff and does incredible marketing work for a lot of small businesses. Um, so she's still doing that, but so she does all the glue tread and currently is doing high proof marketing as well. Um, and then, so, and then, and then my mom is always involved. She, I, I feel like she enables the whole thing, right? She's just like kind of the glue that keeps it all together. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Our, our family, I think our family is like business is a part of our family. We just enjoy working together. We enjoy being together in any capacity. So it's like, yeah, just super fortunate in there. There's just no way around that. So you have a business partner with high proof razor and you talked yeah. about how that came into existence. How do you divide responsibilities between, you know, co-founders? Yeah, I think obviously it's ironically enough. My dad's name is David, Dave. And so is the, the guy who designed high, the high proof razor. So I'm like working with two different days. Um, but I think in both cases, the biggest thing is having a partner that you can work with and that you're on the same page from the beginning. You know, we're going through some huge changes on the high proof side, um, that will be coming out in the next couple of weeks. And this whole thing is possible because we started off in the same place. We have the same goal for the company. And, and I feel like that's something that you have to hammer out in the beginning. And if you're in, the, if you're on the same page, great. And the speed of trust, like makes everything move faster, right? Our operating agreement for this company is like a single eight and a half by 11 sheet. So it's like, I mean, a lot of these companies and people are starting to get really into their operating agreements and stuff, but like David and I are just like, so, so much in the same place that it's like, we've been really fortunate, I guess, to be able to work through some of this early stuff together. Cause we're just like. Yeah, just have the same goal for the company and we and we work well together and we're just yeah, both low maintenance, easy going guys. So yeah. So right. I guess to answer your question, he does most of the machine stuff. He has a machine shop and all that. And then so he's doing like the machining. 
production. Um, and then I'm doing, I guess, more of the, I guess the business side. And then also using a lot of like the infrastructure that was built with glue tread. We have an awesome glue tread team in Ohio that is taking care of like customer service and shipping and like some of the assembly and stuff early. Like, yeah, they, their work has also made the whole thing possible. I mean, it's just, at the end of the day, having the right team is just invaluable. And it's, that's the hardest part of a business is finding the right people. And yeah, just been really fortunate there to get connected with the right people to make all that happen. You've had an enormous amount of learning in, with each business that you've started. And, you know, as we touched on before you went, we went live, we touched a little about the, the class for labs. Um, maybe it would be helpful for the audience to give a little um, background into that and maybe, you know, how your past learnings helped develop this, this current. Yeah. So I started, there's a, I guess, so class four labs is kind of something that I started to house some other ideas before they have names and like to have a way to like, um, to have the, they, so they have their own place before they turn into something. Um, and, and for me, it's like, I, I really enjoy the beginning process of this. So like taking a company from, you know, zero to 30 miles an hour, right. I don't, I haven't done the like 30 to 60, I haven't grown like a 10, $15 million company or more or whatever, you know, it's just, I don't, I don't know that, well, I just, I haven't done that, but I know that I enjoy the, like, like starting the first thing and then, you know, taking it from the concept to like the first couple million dollars and then in revenue and then going from there. So um, class four is kind of, you know, where we house those ideas before they have a name and then it turns into its own company and then we grow it. So I know that that's like kind of my strength. It's also what I enjoy. Um, so yeah, class four has kind of helped, I guess, separate these different ideas and whatnot. And it's again, a lot of it's, it'll turn into more at some point. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's a whole, other, a whole other thing, but I want, I want to have a space to where people can work together. Contractors can work together and a group of the right team can work together to have equity in these companies as we start them and uh, get them up and running. I think from, you know, a listener's perspective, they would be like, how does Andy manage all this at once? So can you talk through, I mean, you touched on a little bit earlier, but how you manage all these different businesses and responsibilities. Yeah. I think the, again, the biggest thing is the people that you work with. Right. So, um, the group, you know, Brittany, Jake, Ray, Rick in Ohio, they make, they make glue tread possible. Right. I mean, I, i just truly believe in hiring good people and let them do what they're good at. Um, so, you know, it's to manage this is just a lot of like delegation, I guess. Right. Like let, let people take ownership in whatever, whatever their, their goal is and their job is, and then, and then let them do what they're good at and like be there to support them entirely at any point. But, um, but yeah, let them, <laughs> let them do what they're good. I mean, people, yeah. So, and I think the other thing too, is understanding what, you know, the people that you're with, understanding what their goal is. Um, I think that's, that's huge. I mean, you know, there's more to it than just than you know, than shipping product or, or doing order fulfillment or, or, you know, assembly or whatever it is. It's like, it's like, yeah, but like, where do you want to be? And like, why is this important to you? What, where do you want to be in a couple of years? And how can I help you get there? You want to buy a house? Great. How can, how can the company help you, you know, save up for the down payment to get a house? Or how can we support you in, in that? Do you need a, do you need a cash advance so you can do it, you know, jump on a really good, um, a really good deal right now? Or like, 
you know, just understand is, is your goal flexibility is your family a first priority and you want to be able to work remotely um, and have a flexible schedule. That's fine. Like that's, I think that's really important is to understand what people's goal is and then cater to that as much as possible. So. Right. No, I completely agree. And to be the one thing I was really curious about is over your career, who have been like some really big mentors in your life? And if you'd be willing to share any advice that you think would be most beneficial that you've obtained throughout the years? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, there's definitely some low hanging fruit here. I mean, the first one that comes to mind is my dad, right? Watching him start a business and, and do this is, and, and then his help in these businesses is in, invaluable. Um, I, it was funny. I had actually a Miami professor, Tom Hoyer, reach out to me recently, and he sent an email to a lot of his past students and asking the same question, right? Like, who are the top leaders, you know, in your life? And a lot of, and then he recently came out with the results. And a lot of the results were people that you would expect, people like, you know, Abraham Lincoln, Martin Luther King Jr., you know, just like people like that. And I, for me, I find more like inspiration in, from people that I interact with, like that, like I've actually met, it's like, not to say that any of those people aren't great leaders, but, but taking bits and pieces of people that I actually spent time with and know personally, and I've seen them do well. I, when I, when I was, um, when I was working in Nevada, um, Jason, who kind of runs the, um, the outfit out there, the, the way that, that he's able to interact and handle so many different things and interact with all the employees and the amount of respect that everyone who works out there has for him is, um, um, just really impressive. And I, so I think, you know, he's not, it's not a name that you would recognize, right? It's not like Martin Luther King Jr. or something like that. Right. But it's like someone who I've, I've seen interact and just like, um, just understanding how they run complex situations, you know, has helped me understand how to treat people and how to work hard and lead by example and things like that. So. Right. And I mean, those people make, they make a huge impact in your life because they are helping you navigate different situations and you build relationships as opposed to, you know, like historical figures don't have that, that connection, right? Totally. Um, yeah, totally. The audience is young professionals and aspiring entrepreneurs. So um, for the first segment, would love to hear, I think you can give a really great perspective on making a career change or just going out to do something kind of that you feel uncomfortable with. Is there any advice that you would share with any young professional um, who's looking to make a, a change and how you kind of navigated those situations or thoughts there? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think the first thing is, and this is the hardest part, but it's, you have to put a lot of time into this and it's figuring out where you want to be. Like, what is your goal? Like for me, when I was, um, when I was a sophomore in college, I made this, I made, I had this goal of, I want to have X dollars by the time I'm 30 years old so that I can not have to worry about buying groceries and paying rent, but that I can take larger business risks and life risks to make a larger impact down the road. But you can't help someone unless you, you know, you, you can't help someone if you're starving yourself. Right. So it's like, so for me, I've had this goal for, I guess at this point, 10 years almost, um, and, but knowing where I wanted to be by the time I was 30, I'm 29 now, so I'm getting close. Um, but, but knowing where I wanted to be governed every decision since then, right? It makes everything really simple. Like I, I'm also someone that like, I don't know what time to set my alarm in the morning if I don't know where I want to be five years from now, right? Because 
like, what do I need to get done during the day? Which means what time do I need to wake up to make sure I can achieve my physical goals as well as my professional goals and so on. So the first thing I would say as someone who's like a young professional is figure out what you want to do. You know, you could have great opportunities like coming out of school. I have a, I remember sitting actually just outside the farmer school business, talking to my dad on the phone. And, um, I had a really great job opportunity in Chicago, um, working for, to do some consulting up there. And I'm like, dad, this is a great opportunity. Like I could make really good money. And, but I'm like, but it doesn't align with my goal. And, but it's hard to turn down. It's such a good opportunity, you know? And it's funny. He doesn't even remember saying this, but I, it's like a very defining point in my life. He's like, he's like, well, that's great, but it's not worth a pile of beans if you have to sell your soul to get it. And I was like, whoa, that was deep. But of course he doesn't remember saying it, which is hilarious. But, but he's right. I mean, so <laughs> instead of doing that, like I bought a one-way ticket to Alaska and didn't do the other because it wasn't, I had the, I had these goals that I wanted to achieve. And it's like, yeah, I, you could have come out of school and made a boatload of money and worked a consulting gig in Chicago, but it wouldn't have got me where I wanted to go. And not that there's anything wrong with that. Like if your goal is to like live in Chicago and, 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 and pursue that kind of like professional development and consulting in a long, large company, that's awesome. But it's important to understand what your goals are. So I think that's the first thing. Um, and then after that, just like, pursuing that with with total focus right and understanding that like like i know that for my goal i have i i choose delayed gratification i had to choose delayed gratification every time for the last 10 years which has led to like me living in a truck or living in like a camper in the salt lake city with an extension cord plugged into it and no running water no bathroom no you know it's like and that that all of those decisions were made with with this end goal in mind. So it's an easy decision because you know where you wanted to be. And that was the right decision to get there, but, but it's hard to execute on that. So I think that's a big thing, figuring out your goal and then pursuing it. But then also like I tell people this all the time, the stuff that I've done with, um, with glue tread and now high proof and class four is like, it's not overly complicated, right? Like it takes, it takes luck and it takes hard work and all that stuff. But I think what sets success apart from not is, in a lot of, in a lot of ways is, is risk tolerance. And I think you have to understand what your personal risk tolerance is. Um, I mean, as I'm 29 and there's been two times in my life where I've maxed out my credit cards and had no cash. So like, I, I was just like, absolutely all in on that. And, and if you're not, if that's not something that you're willing to do, that's totally okay, but recognize that and, and plan accordingly. Um, because yeah, if you're not willing to pursue those full all in, then, it's probably not going to work or it has at least has a lower chance of working if you're not willing to pursue it full time. So much great advice shared, Andy. And if anyone in the audience wants to get in contact with you, what would be the easiest way to, to get in touch? Yeah, totally. I mean, you can reach out. I'm, I'm hor I purposely don't have social media on my phone and I check LinkedIn like once every six months. So, um, honestly you can, yeah, probably going to like glue com and filling out like a form there. And then that, that comes directly to me. That's another thing. It's like customer service is number one through all these businesses. So I still read, like if you, if you submit, you know, uh, a, a, an email or a contact form online, I read it first. Cause I just think it's so important to be in touch with, um, with your customer or, you know, and this like, and I'm, I would love to talk with anyone that wants to about this stuff. I think I had a ton of difficulty finding mentors in this space. Um, people have taken an idea from concept to shelf and actually made it work. Um, 
without just like, you know, private labeling an Alibaba Chinese product or something like that. So if, if there's someone out there that's like trying to do this and wants to talk about, it, I would love to, I just, I'd love to help, you know, entrepreneurs in any way that I can, you know, in, in, you know, pursuing that dream. So. That's awesome, Andy. And thank you for taking the time to come out of the podcast, for sharing your journey and sharing your advice for the audience. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. Sure. Thanks so much for putting on. Well, I'm, I appreciate the effort you're putting in and trying to get, you know, help get this knowledge to the young professionals that need it. So.